These are the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Shivlev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Haniah, one of my brothers, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was, when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you will hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, that if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts from the earth and from heaven, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your strong power and by your great hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. Heavenly Father, we pray for Pastor David today. Use him to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak loud. May we not neglect it nor ignore it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Good morning, church. Doing good. I am so excited to be here uh, because I love Kentucky. I just, I, I'm sincere. I love Kentucky. I love the bluegrass. By the way, your bluegrass is yellow right now. I think it didn't rain that much, right? Uh, but I love bluegrass, white fences, fried chicken, amen, <laughs> southern hospitality. But nonetheless, I love the Kentucky Derby. Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah. When we came last March, March uh, we wanted to go to the Derby, but uh, we didn't check online first. So we drive two hours to the stadium and arrived there. We noticed there were only 15 cars in the parking lot. So we thought, oh, the Derby is not really popular. And we began to ask questions and we discovered that there was no Derby. <laughs> it's a once in a year event. So uh, I thought, okay, maybe next time I'm preaching at the creek, I can like schedule that during the derby. So I went online and began to check the prices of the tickets and I had a heart attack. I was like, <laughs> and I realized I will never go to the derby, but I still love Kentucky very much. Thank you for hospitality. I'm so privileged to be here. Trevor, thanks for having me again. Uh, sincerely, I'm so honored every time I preach here um, because we feel loved. And uh, I, I don't take that for granted. I, I think you have one of the best preacher in this country. Your pastor is a tremendous communicator. And uh, I, I feel honored that he trusts me enough to uh, give me his pulpit today. So can you please uh, take a moment with me to honor your pastor, Pastor Trevor Barton. Can we do that? Oh, come on, church. We can do better than that. Come on. Thank you, sir. Thank you for friendship. Appreciate that. All right. All right. Quebec, where I come from. Eight million people. Seven million French-speaking Less than 1% is reached with the gospel. The French-speaking Québécois is the largest unreached people group in North America. But with your help in the last 10 years, we were able to plant five churches, 
baptized 900 people. And I got great news. Yeah, we can clap for that. And I got great news for you uh, this morning. We are planting a new church in Montreal, September 2025. We are going to start a new church. And more than that, we are going to start a new church in a permanent location. I talked to you before that in Montreal, you, can have, you cannot have new religious zonings. Even if I have a land and want to build a church, they will not allow the permit for that. So we have to deal with the existing religious zonings. But God answered our prayers after nine years of looking for something. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the owner of a building. This is a great news, and you can celebrate with us. Come on. We bought this old Catholic church, and it's really nice. Do you want to see it? You want to see it? Okay, let's watch this. Mes amis, je suis fier de vous annoncer, nous sommes propriétaires, mes amis. Is really cool. So that's the good news. The bad news is that we, we have the building, but we cannot use it. It is full of asbestos and black mold. So if we put our kids into the basement, they will come back radioactive, okay? So we need to fix that. So we started a campaign for 3.5 million two weeks ago to uh, renovate the whole building. And I want to say thank you. Thanks for supporting us in Montreal. When you give to missions here, it makes a tremendous difference for us. You are building churches. You are making disciples in Montreal, and we are full of gratitude for that. My title today, God's dreams are born in prayer. To dream is so, so, so so, to dream is so important for every one of us. One of the things that uh, make us different from animals is our capacity to dream. Beavers don't have a five-year plan, right? They, don't, they just don't. We as humans are created in the, into the image of God, and we have this capacity to dream. Everybody should dream. Don't say you are too young. Don't say that. God said to Jeremiah, do not say I am too young. The apostle Paul said to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Don't say you're too young. When we started youth ministry, I was 23 years old. Now, if you think that I have a baby face at 45, can you imagine what I looked like at 23? Honestly, literally, some parents thought I was one of the teenagers, okay? We, are, we were young, but we had a dream. We had a vision from God. Never say you are too young. But I need to say this. Never say that you are too old. We live in a society that we put an expiration date on people. Uh, it is not your age that determines how old you are. You don't become old when you hit a certain age. You become old when you stop dreaming. So there is folks in their 80s that are young and free. But there are some people in their 20s and 30s that are old like Methuselah. Don't say I am too old. At 85, Caleb made war and he conquered the uh, mountains of Hebron. At 99, Abraham got his wife pregnant. Try that, man. Try this, okay? 
At 147, Jacob blessed his grandsons. And the Bible says that he was weak and sick. But when he heard that Joseph and his grandsons were there, the Bible said he rallied his strength and sat up on the bed and he began to prophesy. Literally, Jacob said to death, wait a minute, I still have something to do. Somebody needs to hear that today. Maybe you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s, 80s, even 90s. You need to hear this. Somebody needs to tell death, wait a minute. I still have a mission. I still have something to do. Never stop dreaming no matter how you old you are. Continue to dream. Continue to dream for the church. Continue to dream for the kingdom of God. Continue to dream so that your children and grandchildren and grand-grandchildren will come to faith and serve the Lord. Never stop dreaming. Never. Today we are in the book of Nehemiah. Bit of context, Seven, uh, 547 BC, the Babylon, it's so hard to say after one service. The Babylonians came and they conquered the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the city, the walls, and the temple. And the people that were not killed were brought into exile for 70 years. After 70 years, the Persian king Cyrus uh, uh, allowed the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their city, the temple, and the walls. And they started with the temple. But after 20 years, they got lukewarm spiritually and they stopped. They stopped building the city and they stopped building the walls. So when the book of Nehemiah starts, it's 445 BC. And this book is telling us the story of how Nehemiah uh, with his team rebuilt the walls in 52 days. Now, you need to know this. It was 150 years about since the walls were destroyed. And multiple people had tried to rebuild them, but they all failed. But Nehemiah will succeed at rebuilding the walls in 52 days that nobody has done in 150 years. I need to say that to somebody this morning. Never underestimate what God can do in a short period of your life. Never underestimate what God can do in 52 days in your life. Nehemiah did the impossible because he was a man of prayer. There's many things involved here, but the key component is this. Is this. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. The book starts in chapter 1 with prayer. The book ends in chapter 13 with prayer. Let me tell you this, as a Christian, everything in your life should start with prayer and ends with prayer. Start with prayer and ends with prayer. And everything in between should be constantly in prayer. We see that in the book of Nehemiah. He prayed all the time. Every time. He got bad news, he prayed. He got good news, he prayed. Before speaking, he prayed. When he's discouraged, when they try to intimidate him, when he wants to confess his sin and the sin of the people, when he have tough calls to make. Some of you, you have tough calls to make right now as a parent, as an employee, as a supervisor, as a, a business owner. You have tough calls to make and it's hard and it's on. Popular. Let me tell you, before making tough calls, Nehemiah prayed. He prayed all the time. And if we want, if we want God's dream to be accomplished in our life, we will have to become men and women of prayer. Can I get an amen? amen. Because God's dreams are received in prayer. In chapter 1, we see that uh, Nehemiah had this news from Jerusalem in the month of Kislev. And in chapter 2, he begins to speak about his dream. But it's in the month of Nisan. It's a four-month gap. For four months, Nehemiah did nothing except pray. And one of the things I love about this guy is that he is a doer. Do we have some doers in the room this morning? 
Some of you? No, three of you. You're, you're not. No, you're Americans. You're doers. Come on, come on. You're Americans. You're not contemplative. You're not. Okay, maybe there's one guy contemplative here. But you're Americans, right? You're doers. You're workers. I am a doer. And what I love about Nehemiah, that he is a doer. And that's what I do. I'm acting. I'm solving problems. I'm fixing things. So at the moment something happened, I text I, I call, I do something. But what I love about this guy, Nehemiah, is that he is a doer. He's a fixer. He's a man of action. But he had learned to pray first, which is not typical of a doer, right? But he knew that God's dreams are received in prayer. He had his first reflex was to pray. This is what we need to learn. Not act right now, but just pause and pray because God's dreams are received in prayer. But also, he knew that God's dreams are made clear in prayer. Uh, you remember in the old days, we got the Polaroid, right? And I think it's coming, uh, it's coming trendy again, right? Uh, the, the young people have Polaroids now. Uh, but you remember, you take a picture and, and it's not clear at first. You need to take this and shake it. And you shake it and you shake it and you shake it. It's for five minutes, ten minutes. And the more you shake it, the more it's become clear. It is exactly the same thing with prayer. When God wants to give you a dream, if you come into prayer, the more you pray, the more the dream will become clear. And by the way, this is a non-ending process. By the way, the deeper you go into God, the deeper you go into prayer, the more God will clarify the dream because God's dreams are made clear in prayer. And Nehemiah knew also that our deepest motivations are filtered through prayer. Here's the reality for most of us, probably all of us. When God gives a dream, we got some godly ambitions with it to the glory of God. But sadly, it's mixed with selfish ambitions to the glory of David. Amen? I'm not the only one. Come on, come on. We got this mixed of holy ambitions and selfish ambitions. And what prayer does is that it filtered our deepest motivations because sometimes God's dream for us can become an idol. But it's not about the dream first. Is it about God first? And if it's about the dream first in your, your life, you will come to a point that you will be unable to discern the dream of God and your dream. His will and your will. And this is highway for destruction. We don't want to make God's dreams an idol. It is first about God and what prayer does. It filtered every motivations and every ambitions. Nehemiah knew that and he knew also. He prayed for four months because he knew that prayer opens closed doors. In chapter uh, 2, he will ask the king permission to rebuild the city and the walls. And the king will say, yes. But here's the thing. Couple years before, the same king had stopped all work. In Ezra chapter 4, the same king said no. And he went from a no to a yes. What's the difference? The difference is prayer. Some historians says this has nothing to do with God. It is because the king changed his mind because the political scale has changed. And he wanted to fortify Jerusalem to prevent a military invasion from Egypt. Which I say, yes. Absolutely, yes. There is a natural cause. But we know that... Uh, uh, over the natural cause, there was a supernatural cause called God. And Nehemiah prayed for an open door. Some doors are closed in your life 
and it is God's will that they will be opened. But you need to take it by prayer because prayer opens closed doors and prayers makes the impossible possible. 52 days to do what nobody did for 150 years. When we were looking for a building, it was nine years of search. Nine years. Can you imagine that? 85 buildings visited. It never worked. It never came close to work. And six years ago, six years ago, we went into that building and we met with the priest. And we asked him, can we uh, rent or, or, or buy the building? And he got mad at us. And he said this, literally, he said, you will never have this building. Never. That was six years ago. Two years ago, we made an offer on that building, but it, ne it did not work because they asked too much from us. But eight months ago, I received a phone call and they said, Mr. Potier, we're going to lower the price from 3.6 million to 3.1 million. And I said, okay. And then they said, we are going to pay to decontaminate the soil in the backyard. It was 150K. So I said, okay. And then they said, if you buy the building, we will loan you five years, 0% interest rate. And I said, glory be to God. So we bought that building, we bought that thing, and when we signed the paper, you know what I thought about? I thought about the guy who said, you will never have this place, you will never have this building, but you know what? We own the building because prayer makes the impossible possible. Can we clap for the Lord of the impossible? This is the Lord we serve. This is the Lord you serve. So don't get discouraged. Don't stop praying. Keep asking. Keep pushing. Their years goes by. Doesn't matter. You keep praying because God is a faithful God. If we want to accomplish God's dream in our life, you will need first to restore and rebuild the wall of prayer in your life. How's your wall? How's your prayer life? No walls means no protection. Imagine in those days when a city had no wall, the thieves can come anytime, the invaders can come anytime, and this is exactly what happens with so many Christians today. They don't have this wall of protection of prayer around them, and they become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. They, they begin to look at the world and the things of the world, and they are attracted by it. They begin to look at the life of the wicked, and they begin to envy the wicked. When you don't have the, that wall of protection around you, you are constantly still. The enemy takes your joy, takes your peace, he takes your purity, he takes your spiritual energy, your compassion. No walls means no protection. But also, no walls means no rest. No rest. Imagine them at this day. They, they had no walls during the night. So they cannot sleep well. They cannot have good rest. They're always anxious, always stressed out. And this is what's happening with so much of us right now. Because we don't build that wall of prayer around us. You sleep, yes, but you never feel rest. You take day offs, but you are always tired. You take some vacations, but you never really feel refreshed. You, you feel that you would have to take vacations to rest from your vacations. This is crazy. So many of us right now are feel burned out. But it's September. It's just September. We're just coming out of uh, summer. We're just coming out of our vacation. So why do we feel burned out? Our parents and grandparents didn't feel burned out in September. Maybe before summer, but not in September. Why? I think it's primarily two things. First is too much of this. Too much of the phone, too much of the social media, too much of YouTube. This is too much. Yeah, that's first. 
But here's the second. Too much of this, not much of this. We need to do less of this, more of this. Because if you don't have this wall of protection, you will not feel rested. No walls, no protection. No walls, no rest. No walls, no abundance. There is an archaeologist, Kathleen Kenyam. In the 60s, she dig up in Jerusalem. And she discovered that in the time of the first temple, Jerusalem had multiple terraces. Uh, Jerusalem is built around a, a mountain. It's the mountain of Zion. And during the, the, the time of uh, uh, the King David, uh, Solomon, uh, Solomon and others, the, the city had those terraces. And the, those places were for agriculture. And the way it worked is that one terrace was uh, maintained by a retaining wall. And another terrace bat by another wall, and etc., and etc. And ultimately, the thing that was sustaining the whole system of terraces was what? The city wall. So if there's no city wall, there's no terraces. No terraces, no agriculture in the city. No agriculture in the city, no abundance is the city. And this is exactly what some of you experience right now. Because you're looking for abundance, but you never touch it. You never feel it. You never uh, taste it. You work, 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 but it's never enough. You sow much, but brings little. You work hard, but your attics are empty. You earn wages, but your purse has holes in it. No walls, no protection. No walls, no rest. No walls, no abundance. And Nehemiah know, he knew, he knew that to have this wall is a matter of life or death. Life or death. If you don't build that wall of prayer around you, it's a matter of life or death. Have you looked at how things are right now? Have you noticed how the world has changed quick? 2018 seems like a hundred years ago, right? It is crazy. Have you looked how adultery is everywhere and divorce is everywhere and pornography is everywhere? We need to build a wall of prayer around us. Have you noticed how so many young people are confused right now in total, total confusion? Years ago, the faith and values of the parents made a huge difference. In fact, the faith and value of the parents years ago was heavier than the culture. But this was in the past. Time had changed, my friends. If it's just faith and value of the parents, it's not enough. You need to add to your faith and values church commitment. Not once in a while, but every week be planted in the house of God. And you need to add to church commitment, prayer commitment. Because it is a spiritual battle. If you don't add prayer to your faith and values, culture will eat your kid for breakfast. We need to restore the wall of prayers in our lives 12 times in the book of Nehemiah. 12 times. We see him pray 12 times. It's not accidental. Because why? Because uh, uh, 12 is uh, representing 12 tribes of Israel. So here's the message in that. Nehemiah was not only called as a spiritual leader to be a man of prayer. He was also called to lead the whole people of God to be men and women of prayer. Let me remind you something. You are a spiritual leader. That's what you are. Mom and dads, you are spiritual leaders. Yeah. Uncles, auntie, bosses, employee, small group leaders, spouse, husband, friends, neighbors, big brothers, big sisters. You are a spiritual leader. You are not living on a spiritual island. You got a spiritual uh, uh, aura. You, you got a spiritual radiance. And it does something even if you don't speak a word. But what is, what is the spiritual radiance that comes from you? Is it spiritual apathy? 
Is it spiritual lukewarmness? Or is it passion and zeal and prayer of life? This speaks louder than your words, I'm telling you. It is a reality. And as a spiritual leader, you need to know this. And I don't have an exact verse for that, but this is something I learned through the years. I learned this principle. So all of you open your ears right now and listen to this. Here's the principle. As a spiritual leader, if you run, they walk. If you walk, they sit. If you sit, they lie down. If you lie down, they die. If you run, they walk. If you walk, they sit. If you sit, they lie down. If you lie down, they die. As a spiritual leader, no matter uh, if you like it or not, no matter if you believe it or not, but you set the pace. You set the tone. What scary thought that my kids will not be more than what I am spiritually. You are the leader. You set the tone. It is time for us. It is time for us to get serious about rebuilding the wall of prayer in our lives. And to say to the enemy of our souls, you will not have my family. You will not have my baby girl. You will not have my firstborn. He belongs to God. You will not have my husband, my wife, my friends. We are going to rebuild that wall of prayer. And if you agree with me and if you want to do it, can we clap for the Lord in the house of the Lord this morning. Yeah. This is what we do. This is what we want. Now, I talk about prayer, and I know what you're thinking. You know what I know? Why I know what you're thinking? It is because in those days, with AI, we got backstage a new system, and we can record all of your thoughts. And we can't put them on their screen. Thank you, Jesus. No, just kidding. Here's why. Here's why I know. Here's why I know what you're thinking. Because you're the same. We're the same. And often when I hear about prayer, here's the thing that I think. I am not good at prayer. Somebody have thought this? Somebody had said this? Oh, yes, you did. Of course you think you were bad at prayer. You're white. That's not a good joke. Okay. <laughs> In our culture, okay, the black folks, they are like the prayers. Okay, they know how to pray. But we white people have an inferiority complex with prayer. We're like, oh, we don't know white people. We, we, we don't know how to pray. This is, this is what we think. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. A Christian not good at prayer, it does not exist. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. Are you greeting? Somebody? Amen. Are you thinking? Somebody? Amen. You are good at prayer. If you breathing, if you think, you are good at prayer. Have you ever seen a fish that is not good at swimming? Have you ever? Ever? Somebody? You said, yes, Nemo. Let me tell you this, even Nemo with, with one smaller flipper is incredibly good at swimming compared to us, right? As fish are good at swimming, as humans are good at breathing, Christians are good at praying. You don't believe it? I'm not surprised. Because this is exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. That you are not good at prayer. Because we human beings, we don't love to do the things we're not good at. Right? Have you ever seen me dancing? I'm telling you, you will never. <laughs> Why? Because I'm bad at it. And because I'm bad at it, I don't want to do it. I'm telling you, if I dance at your Christmas outreach, your non-Christian friends will never want to come back to church ever, ever. Have you seen me acting? No, because I'm bad at it and I don't want to do it. Have you seen me preaching? Yes. Why? 
because I'm good at it. We humans don't love to do the things we're not good at. So imagine if the enemy of your soul can convince you that you are not good at prayer. Guess what will happen? You will not pray. And this is exactly what many of us are experiencing right now. You say, I'm not good. I'm not good. Stop saying you are not good at prayer. Stop saying that. It is not true. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If you believe, say amen. amen. Do you believe that he died for your sin on the cross? If you believe, say amen. Amen. Do you believe he's resurrected from the death and that he, he resurrected for giving us new life? If you believe it, say amen. amen. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Say amen. amen. Do you believe Jesus is your Lord? Say a big amen. amen. Now, if you believe those things, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit intercedes right now for us. Did you know that there is a prayer meeting inside of you right now and it's ongoing 24 7 and the only thing you have to do is to join the prayer meeting stop saying you are not good at prayer the enemy wants you to believe that there is a, oh here's the stereotype of prayers here's the type of people that can pray uh, you you need to pray that way you you don't you don't know the verse enough to pray you don't know the bible enough to pray you don't have the the, the sophisticated language enough to pray all this is lie uh, months ago, I was in a prayer meeting, and we were a bunch of older Christians and, and some brand new Christian, and, and, and we, we, we experienced something really, really nice. One of the new folks, a guy, he, he began to pray, and he was afraid. He, was, he didn't know how to do it. So he, he didn't have all our, our, our uh, stereotypes of prayer. So he just began to pray and uh, open eyes, and he was like, yeah, Lord, uh, it is me. Richard, <laughs> as if the Lord didn't know who he was, but you know, it is me, uh, Richard. Uh, Lord, I, I, I don't really know how to pray, but um, I, I don't know what to say, but I, I, I just wanted to tell you that I'm there, okay? Amen. And he felt horrible about his prayer. And we, the older folks, we were like crying like babies because I was like, this is prayer. This is real, authentic prayers. That's not how I pray. No, no, no. I don't pray like that. When I pray, I need to use big words like sanctification and justification. I need to quote Bible verses because I am a pastor, right? And while I pray, I got those punchlines, right? And they need to rhyme because it's better. We know that. This is how I pray. But this is not how he prayed. But let me tell you, this is prayer. Stop thinking you are not good at prayer. Stop thinking you are not good at prayer. This is what the enemy wants you to believe. You are good at prayer. You are really good at prayer. It does not mean there's not room for improvement. But as Nemo can swim, you can pray really well. Some of you have small kids. Uh, one of the brothers had a, a toddler and he tried to walk between the services. And so he tried and he fall. So when, when he falled, we all gathered around him and his dad said, I cannot believe that you can't walk. course not right <laughs> we were all like yeah you can do it right you're so good some of you were, were like no we were all like yeah you're good you're good buddy you're good do you think that the Lord in heaven is looking to us like this when we learn to pray he said you're so good you're so good at it you're so you're made for that 
You're born for this. You are good at praying because you have the Holy Spirit in you. This is why I'm good at prayer. Because I got the Holy Spirit. So don't, uh, don't think that you're bad at. You are good at. It is time for us to rebuild the wall of prayer in our life. It is time for you. It is time for you to stop that the enemy will come and steal you again and again and again. Some of you right now, you feel like you are, the, that your back is, is in the rope. And that you are about that to being knocked down. But let me tell you this. If you build the wall of protection, you will still have some uh, oppression. You will still have some trials. But you will have something better. You will have God in your midst, in your day. You will have his power. You will have his love in you. You will be connected to divine. And you will produce beautiful, beautiful fruit to the glory of God. Let me tell you this. It is time to rebuild the wall of prayer in your life. It is time to take that seriously. And I want to close with this. In Zechariah chapter 2, there is a weird, weird text. Zechariah was sent as a prophet when the people of Israel begin to rebuild the temple. Uh, after a couple of years, they stopped building. So uh, God sent them a prophet. It was Zechariah. And he was telling them some words to say, go back to work. Go back to work. Rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. And if you read the book, it's all about that. But, but into those prophecies, there's one that is weird. Chapter 2. So weird. Because he's there to encourage them to rebuild the wall now. To rebuild the city now. But while he prophesied to the now, it's like the future opens a bit. And he begins to talk about the future. And he begins to tell them that even if they have, they, they have this calling to rebuild now, one day will come that the city of Jerusalem will have no walls. Let's read together chapter 2 verse 4. Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls. You say, what? Really? Lord, you're asking us to rebuild those walls. And now you say that one day this city will have no walls again? What's the problem? Why? Here's why. Because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. God said to them, yes, you're rebuilding that wall. That's your calling. But one day, this city will have no walls. Why? Because this city would be so full of people that no walls could retain them. They will have people from everywhere. They will have people from every tribe, nation, and language on the surface of this earth. They will have people from America and from Canada and from Quebec. They will have white people and, and black people and brown people and yellow people. One day, there will be so much people into the kingdom of God that the city will have no walls. But the questions that come up is this. Okay, if that city have no walls, what will happen? This city will be in danger. But God answered that question also. Look at the rest. For I, say the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her. And I will be the glory in her midst. You see, as they were rebuilding the walls, God wanted to teach them something so much more important. He wanted to teach them that the wall of protection, the wall of rest, the wall of abundance, it is himself. And we live in those days, my friends, that there is too many people into the kingdom of God so that the city will have a wall. We live in those days that 
God in Jesus Christ, we can build a wall of prayer around ourselves and our family and our churches. And God himself is our protection. God himself is our rest. God himself is our abundance. God himself is our walls. And if you love God, and if you're thankful for God in your life, can we clap for him one last time, please? time to rebuild. Can we stand up, please? Everybody. It's time to rebuild the wall. Some of you are so vulnerable right now. And you think that you're weak. It's not that you're weak. It's that you have no walls. So it's like being on a battlefield without equipment without protection. It's like have a target on your back and say to the enemy, shoot me. Some of you, some of you you're not weak. You don't have a wall. You need to build this back. The wall of prayer. The wall of protection. The wall of rest. Some of you are anxious all the time. Some of you, anxiety has take you over and, and, and you don't know how you're going to fix that. You, you say, I don't, I don't recognize my own self. What happening to me? Maybe. Maybe it's just about the wall. You're not weak. You just have no walls. Some of you work, 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 but it's never enough, never enough. You're from a paycheck to another and you struggle, struggle, struggle. Maybe you're not just bad luck. Maybe you have no walls. You need to build that. We need to build that wall back again. And if we want to do this, the first thing is not say, okay, I'm going to pray more. That's not the start. You know why? Because you did that a hundred times. And it probably never worked or never longed. Here's why. Here's why it never worked. It is because you have a full plate. We all have full plates. Every one of us. Some of us, our plates are full of junk. But it's full, right? We all have a full plate. So if we want to have more time with God. The first thing is not to say, I'm going to spend more time with God. The first thing to say is this, what am I going to stop? Because if we don't make that decision, what am I going to stop? We're never, we're never going to spend more time with God. Never. So the thing this morning is that what am I going to stop? What am I going to give to the Lord? Is it that I will put a cap to my social media? I would say only weekends? Is it that I'm going to say to Netflix only weekends? Is it that I'm going to uh, reorder some other things or priorities? If you want to spend more time with God, you need to ask yourself, what am I going to stop? And if we're honest, there's plenty of things, plenty of things that it will not hurt ourselves to do less or to do none, right? There's so many things. I, I read a, and it's, it's a hard word, but um, it was hard for me a couple months ago. There's this guy on social media and he got church signs and he put some thoughts on some cardboards. And he wrote something like, uh, church didn't burn you out. Your Netflix account did. And it hit me. Because here's what I didn't realize is that just a little of entertainment 
is refreshing for the soul. But too much of it is draining for the soul. And it sucks life out of us. And it's not that God is mad at us, but it's just that we have no life. And we're not able to walk into God's dreams and to discern and to walk and to fight, right? So the thing is, what am I going to stop? That's the question. Because I want, I want more from God. Let me tell you, you can produce fruit without God. But it's not the Father's fruit. It is your fruit. You can do amazing things without God. But it's not God's plan and God's will. If you want to do God's dreams and God's wills and God's plan, you need to be connected with God. Jesus said, without me, you cannot do big things. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. So do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to fight? Do you want to walk in God's dreams? It is time to commit to prayer, to Him. We live in extreme times. And He's calling you. And He's calling me. And He's calling many of you. And I know that many of you, you heard the call this morning and you said, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. More of you less of other things, more of you, more of Jesus. If this message had speak to your heart, can we just close our eyes, please? And if you say, I want to answer this call of rebuilding this wall of prayer in my life, I want to know Jesus more. I, don't, I want to be filled with this Holy Spirit. I'm tired of being drained out. I'm tired of being hit by the enemy of my soul. And I want to build stronger, deeper wall into my life. If, if you answer that call today, can you just where you are, just lift up your hands to God as a sign of I'm saying I'm there I'm there Lord I answer your call my hands are lifted high right now because I'm answering that call I'm responding to that message Lord I prefer every man women and young people in that room right now that says yes to prayer yes to you I pray that they will rebuild the wall of prayer and I pray that as they do it they will experience so much rest so much protection so much abundance and that as they do your dreams for their lives will come to pass in Jesus name we answered your call. We discerned the times. We know it is extreme. We know it's time to rebuild. And we says yes. As you moved the heart of Nehemiah, you are now moving our hearts to rebuild that wall. In Jesus' name, amen.